you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. We are going to answer some questions today about angels and demons. We started a couple of weeks ago doing this AMA, Ask Me Anything sermon series on the topic of angels and demons. And I'll just tell you right now, go ahead and take out your phone. You can do it in this room. You can do it in your living room. Go to YouTube, go to Facebook, go to our live stream. And if I say something today and you have a question about what you hear, type it in in the post. Just send it in as a post right now today during this sermon. And I'm going to do my best to answer questions that you've already asked I'm going to do my best to answer some questions that you ask today about angels and demons. We're going to talk about timeline, and I just need to give you a disclaimer up front. I'm going to do my best to answer some when questions, but here's the truth. Some of you are going to go away frustrated today because some of you were asking for like day of the week, um, what month of the year, exact second of the day kind of questions, and no one on earth can answer those kind of questions. But I'm going to do my best to give you some answers to the when things happened questions. Before we even get into those questions, can I remind you something about time as you and I know it? Lean in for just a second. Pay close attention because everything that I say next is based on this statement. Time for human beings began when God breathed into Adam the breath of life. That's the first second that the clock started ticking. That's day one of the calendar. Time for human beings will end when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, when God resides on earth with people forever. And because it's eternity, because it's forever, you can throw the calendar out the window because we can't even keep track of that kind of time anymore. What I'm trying to say is God doesn't exist in time as you and I know it. Time is different for God. For God, he has no beginning There's no end, which means God sees everything all at the same time. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end all at the same time because God is not constrained by time like you and I are. And some of the questions that you asked, though time-related questions today, are impossible to answer because they're heavenly questions, and time doesn't work for God in heaven like it works for you and I here on earth. Day one is the day that God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and our first father became a living being. The last day of creation, the last day that we can really measure is the day where eternity starts. And then there's no measure to that. But in order to set up everything that I'm going to say today, I want to pose a question for you on the screens. And it's really the chicken and the egg question. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? I want to make this a theological question, though, because it's a really, really important question. And I'll put it right there on the screens. Today, as we're going along, I want you to wrestle with this question. And I want you to personally come up with your answer to this question. You ready? Here it is. Which came first, evil or Lucifer, the prince of the angels that rebelled against God in heaven, that started 
sin and wickedness and evil as we know it. In your mind right now, don't say it out loud, but in your mind right now, which of these two happened first? Did Lucifer begin evil or did evil begin before Lucifer? It's an important question because here's what I need you to understand. What God creates is pure and perfect. But in the case of angels, in the case of humans, they were created in a way that they could rebel against God. Not that they would rebel against God, but created in a way that they could rebel against God. So I've got a verse that will set up everything else that you're going to hear from me. This is Jesus speaking. And by the way, Jesus, the son of God, the God, the son is going to tell people on earth a little bit about his authority. And it comes from Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Here's what Jesus says about Lucifer. He, Jesus said to them, his disciples, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, can I just break this down for a second for us? I want you to notice what Jesus said. I was there when Satan fell. And notice he used past tense verbs, meaning this happened a long time ago, but I was still around a long time ago. I watched this happen. He's talking about Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whichever one of those Uh, names that you want to give to him today. And Jesus is telling us what happened. He was in heaven. He was in God's presence. And for whatever reason, Lucifer or Satan led a rebellion and God cast him out of heaven and he fell from heaven like lightning. This past tense phrase that Jesus uses describes a little bit about timeline for us. But Here's the deal. Y'all asked some doozies this week, and I'm going to do my best to try to answer these questions because you asked me some questions about when stuff happened. And if I can just be honest with you, we're going to look to the Bible and only to the Bible for these answers. But some of the questions that you asked, the Bible just doesn't give us explicit answers. We can infer some things, but it's not explicit. First question that you asked about timeline is, when, would all, when did all of this stuff happen? When did God create the angels? And I want to remind us, a lot of what you and I have been taught is subconscious about angels and demons, meaning you learned it from the movies. Or I heard a brilliant man make this statement this week. Most of what I know about angels, I learned from my father who learned from his father by looking at Renaissance art and some artist interpretation. My father took that as what it's really like, and he taught me that's what it's really like, but it's not really based on the Bible. I'm going to try to give you only Bible answers to this question. So when did this stuff happen? Well, I don't know. There's no date on the calendar that you can mark because it happened using a different construct for time than you and I have. In the Bible, the book of Job, if you come from another country, you probably refer to this guy as Job. In the book of Job, towards the end of Job, Job has been suffering greatly, and Job has been declaring God is good even when he's suffering. At the end of the book, God is going to now call Job to account because Job's been asking some really hard questions of God, 
And now God is going to ask some really hard questions of Job. And right in the middle of that conversation, I want you to hear what God says to Job about when he created stuff and who was around when he created stuff. This comes from Job 38, verses 4 through 7. God thundering down from heaven to, the, to Job. And by the way, almost every Bible scholar believes this is the oldest book in your Bible. This is the first book chronologically in the entire Bible. God thunders down from heaven and says, where were you, Job, when I established the earth? He's talking about the six days of creation. Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly, you know, Job, because you're asking big boy questions. So let me ask you a couple of big boy questions. Who stretched the measuring line across Earth's foundations? What supports Earth's foundations? Job, tell me why the Earth hangs in this universe the way it hangs in the universe right now. Surely you know the answer to that question. Now listen to what God asks next. Or who laid its cornerstone. That's the very first brick in a building. While the morning stars sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. Those of you who have been with us for a couple of weeks, you already know the answer to this. That phrase, sons of God, right here in this verse refers to what? Say it out loud. God is saying, hey, while the morning stars were shouting because I was creating the crown jewel of the universe, earth, the angels were also all together shouting for joy before the earth was even created. When did this stuff happen? When did God create angels? Don't know the exact date, but I do know this from the book of Job. It happened before Adam was created. It happened before the earth was created because the sons of God are around when it happens, when God lays the foundation stone. And they shout for joy because of this beautiful earth that God has created. We can't tell exactly when this happened, which means you can't circle a date on the calendar for this question. But it definitely happened sometime before you and I happened. That much is obvious from the Bible. Question number two. Is God still in the business of creating angels? Okay, I, I like the fact that you recognize angels are creation of God, meaning they really exist and they only exist because God made them exist. The question that you're asking, is God still in the business of creating angels? And my easy answer to this question is no. I get this explicitly from the Bible, but there's a caveat to that question. There's a, a, a addendum to the answer to this question. See, Genesis chapter 2 tells us at the end of six days, God really did finish all of the creation. And we can infer from Genesis 2, not just the creation on earth, but he finished all of his creation in heaven as well, which would include the angels. Genesis 2 verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were created by the end of the sixth day. Do you see it says heavens on the screen? Everybody see that? Not like this. Do you see that it says everything in the heavens by Genesis 2 verse 1? Not like this if you see that on the screens. Which is saying by the end of Genesis 2 verse 1, God is done creating angels as we know it. Now we have a problem. 
Those of you who watched last week, you saw from Genesis chapter 6 that the angels created these hybrid human beings when the fallen angels, this is Jeff's way of explaining it as clearly as I can, when the fallen angels that have already rebelled took human wives and made babies with them, and you had this race of superhuman people that existed for a while. I don't even believe that God allows angels, fallen angels, to take human wives anymore and have human babies. But the Bible is really telling us by the end of the sixth day, everything on earth, it's all been created. Everything in heaven has all been created. And by now, you're asking the question, who really cares, Jeff? Well, it starts to get even better when we get to question number three. Because question number three asks, how many angels are there out there? And I think the person who asked this question is asking for like an exact number. Like, Jeff, I want to the angel the number of people out there. Don't forget, the word angel refers to good angels and fallen angels, angels and who we would call demons today. And my exact answer to this question is a lot. That's the exact answer. How many is a lot? Well, I don't know, but it's a lot of angels. Because in Revelation chapter 5, we hear it's a lot of angels. Verse 11 says it this way. Then I looked and I heard the voice of, what's it say out loud? Many angels around the throne and also living creatures and elders. Their number was countless thousands. Like, I can't count that high thousands. In English, it would be like a bajillion, whatever that number is. Countless thousands plus thousands upon thousands. There's no record of how many angels we really have in the Bible. When Jesus is suffering and he's on trial, he reminds the people that are accusing him, hey, don't think that I couldn't ask my father. And he would send 12 times 12,000 angels, more than 144,000 angels to help me out if I just asked him to, but I'm not going to ask him. You want to know how many we're talking about? Countless thousands upon thousands, at least 144,000, more than 144,000. And by the way, I think that number is figurative. And what Jesus is saying is, I could ask for as many angels as you can imagine, more than you can imagine, and they would show up in an instant if I asked for them. How many angels are there? I have no way of knowing. But the Bible tells us there are a lot of angels that God created. And apparently he created them all before he created you and I. What I'm trying to say by bringing Genesis 6 into this equation is I'm pretty sure that angels are no longer creating half angels anymore. So that number really is probably fixed now, whatever that number is. It's just a lot. Fourth, final question, and the most important question that somebody asks today and they didn't ask it in these words. In fact, I'm going to read the exact words of the question because I changed the words just a little bit. But they asked the question, if God controls angels, why or how is it possible that Satan would fall? I changed the question to ask, when did that happen? Remember back in Luke chapter 10, verse that I used right at the beginning? Jesus says, 
I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning, and I was there when it happened, and we can assume that this happened before God created the heavens and the earth. The reason we can assume this is because by the time you get to Genesis chapter 3, there's already a serpent in the garden who is already doing his best, look up here, to destroy your soul. And the question that somebody asks is, hey, when did this happen? And this gets to the essence of, wait a second, did Satan or Lucifer introduce evil? Or did evil come about and it in, uh, influenced Lucifer? Which of these happened first? You may be sitting there thinking to yourself right now, who cares? The answer to this question is essential to your soul. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, starts to answer the question a little bit. The one who commits sin is of Satan. You are Lucifer's property. Now, I want to explain the beginning of this verse because he's talking about somebody who lives in sin is you're consumed by sin because you, you sin because you have uh, Lucifer has control of your soul. The one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned. Do you see what it says on the Bible, in the Bible? He has sinned from the beginning. I'm assuming that what John is referring to here is before time began as we know it, before God breathed into Adam the breath of life, Satan was already sinning, committing evil. The devil has sinned from the beginning. And the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, literally to destroy sin. I, the reason why I'm harping on this question for us right now is because many people, I think they get confused. Not just confused, I'm just going to use this word, they're deceived. Somebody told them a lie about sin. And that somebody is the father of all lies. Jesus refers to Satan, the devil, as the father of all lies. All lies come from him because he is the creator, the original liar. And when, we, when we're deceived, when somebody's lied to us about sin, it ultimately looks like this. Well, I may do some stuff wrong, but I'm a pretty good person on the inside. Y'all, this week, I was sharing Jesus with somebody. And I was asking them if they were on their way to heaven and how certain they were that they were on the way to heaven. And their answer to me was basically, look, I, I've gone to church. I don't anymore. I know who Jesus is, but I'm going to heaven and I'm convinced that I'm going to heaven because I'm a pretty good person. I want you to hear something, not from me. I want you to hear something from a brilliant pastor and theologian, a guy by the name of Paul Tripp. Because Paul Tripp answers this question when people think, hey, I'm a pretty good person, right? Paul said, sin is more than bad behavior. It's the heart condition that leads to bad behavior. In other words, what Paul Tripp is saying is you sin because you have a sinful heart. And until a sinful heart is fixed, you will continue to sin. There's no way around it. Which came first? Sin or a wicked heart? Which came first? 
evil or Satan. A wicked heart comes before sin. Sin is the result of a wicked heart. And that's really what we're learning today as we study the fallen angels. You see, Paul Tripp said, here's what happens. Two things happen when you've been deceived about sin and you start to think, I'm a pretty good person. It's evidence that you don't understand sin. He says, first, what you do is you just simply turn sin into just bad behavior. And by the way, if it was just bad behavior, I really want you to tell me why Jesus would leave heaven, come to earth, and be willing to die for that. If that's all sin is, why would that cost Jesus his life? But Paul Tripp says it this way. The second thing that it does, and he's absolutely right here, is it makes us all want to make sin the result of something outside of us. Are you looking up here? Instead of something inside of us. And come on, y'all. You've probably done this because I've done this. We start to rationalize our sin because of the consequences around us, because of circumstances. It's all of these things around me that have led me to do something wrong. What we don't tend to do very often is say, there's something really wrong inside of me. And the reason why I keep doing wrong is because there's something wrong inside of me. And I got to get this wrong inside of me fixed before I start doing right. See, what the Bible is telling us today is Lucifer, the originator of sin, has gripped the human heart, all human hearts. Psalm 51, verse 5, I was born in sin. It was in sin that my mother brought me from the grave. It it was from my, my first breath, and it's inside of me, and I can't fix it until somebody steps in and fixes it for me, which is exactly why Jesus was willing to leave heaven, come to earth, and be a sacrifice, because he knows Jeff, you can't fix your heart. Sin is so wicked. It affects so much of you. But you can't fix this on your your own. And by the way, let's just say, Jeff, that you wanted to get to heaven by being a pretty good person. Well, let me just make sure you understand what the measure is. 100% absolute moral perfection for a lifetime. That doesn't mean just didn't do anything wrong. It means never thought the wrong thought, never had a wrong attitude. That's the standard if you're going to try to get in on your own. The reason why you and I do wrong is because there's something wrong inside of us. And we need the gospel to change what's wrong inside of us. And maybe you need the gospel to make you pure for the first time today. Maybe you've never had this heart and soul transplant. The Bible talks about the book of Ezekiel. The prophet says, God speaking from heaven says, I will take away your wicked heart, your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a heart that is pure, and now you can start to live right because I've done something for you that you can't do for yourself. The gospel is the good news that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to change what's wrong inside of you. Look up here. Every Christian that's listening to my voice needs to be able to say the second thing on the screens. I not only needed the gospel to make me pure the first time, but I need the gospel to keep me pure tomorrow because without it, I can't do that on my own. I need God's help to do that. And what I want to do for just a moment is I want to pray for us. I want to pray for my heart. I want to pray for your heart because maybe you're realizing the reason why I do wrong is because my heart is wrong. 
And the wrong actions come from the wrong heart. And I got to get the heart right if the actions are going to get right. This is the chicken and the egg conversation and why it's essential to your soul. Let me pray for us. Father, I do it. Almost everybody that I know does it. Sometimes I like to compare myself with other people. And I like to say, compared to my neighbor, I'm not nearly as wicked as he is. But the truth is, God, that your standard is 100% absolute moral perfection for a lifetime. And compared to that, God, I fall totally short. You know I do. Not just me, but everybody watching this broadcast. I don't even need to know where they live or who they are. They fall totally short also. And maybe somebody is listening to my voice right now and it's dawning on them for the first time. I've tried to clean myself up and be a good person, but I can't fix what's wrong inside of me. I can't do that myself. No, I need the gospel to change me for the first time today. Maybe they're sitting in a living room or sitting in this room and they realize I need to be radically changed. I need Jesus to save me. And if God somebody is watching this broadcast, I pray that they would just cry out a prayer of faith. From the depths of their heart, they would say, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I have a wicked heart, and I need you to change my heart because I don't want to be this man or this woman. I don't want to keep living like this anymore. God, I believe that if that's a sincere prayer, that prayer is enough for you to hear from heaven. And to do a miracle inside their heart. To take a heart of stone and to turn it into a heart of flesh. But God, I pray for every brother and sister who claims the name of Jesus and calls themselves a Christian. Please don't let them get up tomorrow and try harder and try to do better in order to live a pure life. God, would you cause them to run back to Jesus, run to the cross, and recognize their need for your help. And because they recognize their need for your help, you will give them what they need to keep them pure this week. God, I'm praying that right now your spirit moves in a very powerful way in the lives of your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just got serious, I mean, you were really serious and you prayed a moment ago, we would love to know about that. You can contact us right here in our mobile app and just let us know who you are so we can follow up with you. We're going to do something a little bit different. I asked my friend Kenny Thomas if he would help me with this service. And I said, Kenny, I want you to help communicate what we're trying to say during this whole sermon series about angels. So I want to take us back to the very first week when we learned that angels are a word in the Bible to refer to God's messengers. I want to take us back to the very first week when we learned from James chapter 2 and Luke chapter 9 that people, you and I, when you go share Jesus with somebody else, you are, Bible word, an angel of God. You are being a messenger to somebody else. So I said, hey, Kenny, can you help me communicate this in a song? And Kenny said, cricket, cricket, cricket. So I want you to hear from Kenny his response to this challenge as a musician that I threw out for him. After he sings, I'm going to show you a video that's going to set us up and prepare our hearts for taking communion in this room or in your living room. I want you to watch what Kenny says 
about angels in disguise, will you? Good morning, Two Cities Church. Happy Sunday. Kenny Thomas here. I get to sing a song for you again. Jeff texted me a couple weeks back, and he said, hey, can you do a song on the 5th of September? I said, sure. And he said, okay, well, we're doing a sermon and a series about angels and demons. All right. Do you mean like, sorry, I text him back. Do you mean like angels, like as we treat one another here on earth, angels sort of walking around among us, or, or, or like demons, the, the hell that we face and the hells that we create for ourselves while we're here on the planet? Yes, all of that. <laughs> so I'm thinking... All right, that was the guidance I was given. I don't have a song about angels and demons. So I called up Billy Montana, my buddy who you've met, and we wrote one for you. Now, more specifically, what we did with this song was we talked about what you and I can do for one, each, for one another while we're here on earth. How can we be the angels that we need in our lives? Remember... We are the body of Christ. We are the church. At any given moment, you can call upon that power. And you can be an angel for somebody. I remember they taught us as NCOs, keep it simple, stupid. So I've learned, let's not create something that's crazy out there for you. Let's create something that's doable and attainable. So I'm not asking you to go out and raise Lazarus from the dead. What I am asking you, though, is to take a look at who's on your left and your right and who's out there. Who can you influence? Who can you set the example for? Spread the gospel and affect lives in a positive manner to the point maybe you can even bring people to Christ. Can you imagine that? Be the angel that we want in our lives. So be the example, I guess. All right, follow me. We're going to go do this song. And before I do, I just, I'm, I'm letting you know, I, I'm not alone in my thought process here. Hebrews 13.1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to others, for thereby some have entertained angels unknowingly. You just never know who you're out there and who you're going to run into who's going to do something good for you. Be that person. All right, follow me. A man gives up his first class seat to the man in uniform. A teacher buys a brand new coat for a child whose coat is torn. A girl alone on her way home, a car slid off the road. And the good old boy, the big old dodge, who pulls her from the snow. Seems right when we need her, they show up in our lives. Ordinary people, angels in disguise. Mission man digs wells in the sand until the water's pure. An eight-year-old donates her hair until we find a cure. The coach who drove out of his way two times every day to make sure a kid like me could have a chance to play. 
Thank you.